2: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now,
0: your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited Excited to join us today. Before I jump into the podcast, go over and leave a five-star review. We really love those reviews. Leave some comments. I read all of them, and we would really appreciate that. But before we get started, I would definitely want to give a big shout-out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. Um, mention Coach Unplugged, you get $450 off, and you'll get the best customer service you'll ever expect. Um, just mention Coach Collins, and they'll take really good care of you. Also, go over and check out ttubes.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the, it is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It's something... You know, when I started com, it was uh, it, it was something it was it was what I would have wanted as a young coach before, you know, all the, the state championships and all the nationally ranked teams that I've coached um and not to brag just to, to kind of tell um kind of my journey i would have killed for this stuff because it would have made my life so much easier a little bit of everything that you need to become a better basketball coach and we are the only people out there that offer 14-day free trial because we believe in it so much um follow the roadmap work on your craft and um you get me one-on-one mentoring so i can't imagine anything better than that i don't know um anyway go over and check it out and let's head off to the podcast am so, um... Your host
1: today, Coach Bill Flitter, and today we have a special guest, uh, Mark Criscaro. Uh, he is a been refing for a decade, uh, and we're going to talk about common miscon- misconceptions of the basketball ru- rules. Some things that are kind of misunderstood that coaches get wrong, that players get wrong, and especially fans, uh, and maybe some of those little-known rules that come up and sneak up on you as a as a coach once in a while. Uh so hopefully uh you guys will sit back tune in and uh, enjoy the conversation. But before we uh, get started, I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor today. Our sponsor is basketballplaycreator.com. Head on over there if you need to create basketball plays. Uh, pretty intuitive you can create playbooks that you can share out with your entire team Uh, they have full animations it's absolutely a wonderful tool that i have used since um, it really launched and absolutely love it all right mark welcome to the show
2: thanks bill thanks for having me
1: absolutely now off air just uh not only was uh not only is mark a ref but he it was a long time radio host in the midwest right midwest and uh, east, coast, east coast also yeah. uh, new orleans area okay. new orleans area as well so he's going to he's going to have a great voice for the podcast going to show show uh, show me up so teach me a <laughs> few things i hope uh so tell us uh mark a bit about your background uh Maybe go into some details of where you're roughing down and, and your kind of roughing history.
2: Sure. Uh, really got going, um, as you alluded to, about um, a decade ago, well, over a decade ago now. Uh, my boys, uh, Catholic Youth Organization, CYO, uh, as it's known, uh, Tri-Valley League. Um, I hail from mm-hmm. Pleasanton, so that's the geographic area of our CYO competition. Um, And for those that aren't familiar uh, with CYO, it's uh, literally, as the acronym uh, spells out, um, it's uh, Youth Sports Activities. And uh, basketball is one of the big ones um, here in Northern California in the Bay Area. So I have twin boys, and they were both interested in playing basketball at the time, and that's going uh, the way back machine to uh, third, fourth grade. Uh, First couple of years, they had a wonderful coach. His name escapes me, Uh, but um, once they got up to the fifth grade uh, level, um, a good friend of mine, uh, whose sons uh, were going to school with my boys, uh, became head coach of the fifth grade team, and he was looking for an assistant coach. So uh, I was available, uh, dumb enough to join the coaching ranks. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's basically how I got got my start at the youth level um, with uh, coaching uh, before I got into officiating. So that continued through eighth grade. CYO wraps up um, once middle school concludes. And uh, neither of my sons expressed an interest um, in continuing to play at the high school level. But um, I still had the basketball in me at that point. So I said to myself, OK, you know, I never force either of my boys to pursue something that they're not interested in pursuing, but I wanted to stay involved, um, really enjoy the game. And I was like, how can I stay involved? Um, and I um, looked into officiating. I had done officiating uh, the last couple of years um, in an unofficial capacity, if you will, uh, refereeing intra-squad and uh, interleague scrimmages um, at the CIO level. And I it found that I enjoyed it. and it's like, sure, why not? So I kind of like jumped into the officiating pool, uh, looked into where I could you know get into officiating in the Bay Area. And um, I was able to uh, get picked up by an organization organization known as CCBOA, uh, Contra Costa Basketball Officials Association, which uh, is one of the major, uh, basketball officiating associations in the Bay Area, primarily in the East Bay, uh, pretty much up and down the 680 corridor, if you will. Um, we handle games for the East Bay Athletic League, Mission Valley Athletic League, which um, is primarily um, Alameda County. Uh, East Bay Athletic League includes schools here in Alameda County, also uh, predominantly in Contra Costa County. We officiate as far Northeast is uh, Benicia, Brentwood, Antioch, Pittsburgh area, and as far northwest, uh, Benicia, Martinez, and then all the points in between from up north there all the way down to Newark south, in Alameda County. And oh, so um, nice. I was going to just say, um, yeah. I, I joined that association in uh, 2017, and I've been with them ever since.
1: How many games do you
2: uh, do a year? Good question. Uh, It varies uh, depending on your availability. Um, I probably officiate on average three to four nights a week. Uh, Mm. Sundays are usually uh, free. There's usually no high school at the high school level that are playing basketball on a Sunday. Very rare. Um, So about three or four nights a week, uh, Monday through Saturday.
1: It's a good workout, too. Yeah I, uh, yeah, I I
2: oftentimes <laughs> uh, tell people, you know, why do you do it? And I say, well, uh, number one, it's the best cardio workout you can do and get paid for.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, well, let's just dive right in. And I know, you know, I've known Mark now, are we, is it two years? Yeah, at it's least two years, yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. He got me for a uh, violation for a uniform violation the first game he refed uh, for me uh, so I appreciate that so stupid <laughs> that was a that was my fault though I don't know what I was thinking wrong number uh, <laughs> remember that sure do yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark yeah Mark definitely plays by the rules and that's definitely appreciated uh, you can't argue the rule book with uh, with Mark so that's awesome uh, what are some of the most misunderstood rules that you run into, uh, you know, during game day. So misunderstood by, let's start with the fans. Cause I think, you know, you probably get a lot more heat from the from the fans when they don't truly understand the rules.
2: Sure. Um, it, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes mm-hmm. some dims you have fans that are, that are more vocal and, right. and more, mm-hmm more critical of the officiating as opposed to uh to other fans. Um yeah. you know, so um, you know, it's like Baskin Robbins, you know, 31 different flavors um <laughs> of fans, True. um, coaches, players. Uh one of the most common things uh that uh that we hear um frequently is um uh player is fouled at the high school level there's no such thing as continuation in high school. Uh, if I had a if I had a dollar for every time I had to, like, explain that to someone, uh, even coaches and mm. players, um, you know, I would, I would have a good chunk of change in my back pocket. Uh, mm. so that's one of the key differentiators at the high school level. There's no continuation. And uh, what happens frequently is fans being fans, uh, we're all exposed to basketball at the college level, but especially at the professional level. Big time right the show Mm -hmm. uh in any sport and certain things that um certain things that you see that are allowable at the professional level uh they're just simply not permitted at the high school level so again to answer your question uh the continuation argument or people wanting to know why a basket doesn't count in high school and it's like we see that on tv all the time why didn't you give them continuation because there's no continuation in high school you just don't
1: we see a lot of travels at the NBA level too that uh, <laughs> can't get away with at high school or grade school, right? They travel uh, that, more than some third graders. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's
2: an interesting point. Um, I've I've worked with a lot of college officials. A lot of college officials will will come back to the high school level because they've had their fill, especially from a travel perspective. You you the distances between schools at the collegiates right, are yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot of guys just get burned out, literally, and they'll drop back down to the high school level. Um, And certainly at the professional level, um, you have to appreciate that you have the best basketball players in the world, literally, playing in the NBA. I mean, they are the best of the best. And so the speed of the game at the NBA level is just incredibly fast. Bottom line is it's very easy to miss a travel mm, at the NBA yeah. level. So it's not like they're deliberately letting travel violations go. It's just, it yeah. can be really tough because of, remember the officials, all of us, no matter what level you're officiating at, we're in real time. And at the high school right, level, right. we have zero benefit of replay. Replay yeah. is still, there's zero replay at the high school level. Whatever we determine or correct ourselves about if it's a correctable error that's the call uh, college yeah. over the years has incorporated more and more replay into officiating which obviously gives you the benefit of reviewing the play in slow motion yeah. So you yeah, can yeah. see oh okay he you know he did do this or he didn't do that and so then you can adjudicate uh, correctly uh, you know um Another uh, differentiator, we don't get a lot of comments from fans or coaches about this, but the the level of fouls, for example, in college and in the pros, you have flagrant ones and flagrant twos. Mm, mm -hmm. That simply doesn't exist at the high school level. You have a flagrant foul. You can have a flagrant personal foul or a flagrant technical foul. In either of those situations, if that's the call against a player, an offending player, he or she is gone
0: they're Mm -hmm. immediately
2: disqualified from the game
1: yeah
2: there's no Uh, there's no wiggle room
1: yeah and are there other like the one i've heard through the years is over the back right (laughs) over the back right yeah that's a yeah good one uh
2: Yeah. yeah that we hear that frequently in fact last year i was doing a varsity league game mission valley uh, Washington High School in Fremont at American, crosstown rivalry. And uh, the uh, longtime coach at Washington, uh, Mike Tripp, great guy, very knowledgeable, knows his stuff. Um, he was complaining um, that the player from American was over the back of his player, who is much shorter than this particular American high school player who literally reached over the Washington player to grab a rebound, uh, a defensive rebound. And he was yelling over the back. And I just looked at him and laughed. And the reason I laughed and chuckled and so did my partner, Mike should know better because he's a veteran official at no level. Is there a call called over the back? Mm-hmm. Or I should say there's no foul or violation known as over the back. What happens is, is it's perfectly legal for one player to physically reach over a shorter player and grab a rebound or a loose ball. That is Mm -hmm. not a violation. It's not a foul. However, if in the process that they're reaching over the back of that player, they displace that player, i.e. push them with their body, that is a foul. That's either a blocking foul or what's commonly uh, adjudicated in that scenario is push because literally they're pushing the player out of the way to get the ball. That's what we're looking for in that scenario. So that's a real good um, uh, scenario to bring up because that happens all the time.
1: That happens a lot. As long as
2: the player, as long as the player who's in front of the player who's reaching over them, as long as he doesn't displace that player, uh, make him move, uh, gain an advantage, uh, it's perfectly
1: legal. So how does how do you uh, differentiate that? you know, an aggressive box out by either player? Well, you know, the, well, let's talk about the deep, the player in front of me is pushing on me. I'm behind them because he's trying to get the ball. Right. So I'm pushing back. Right. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Uh, Well, that,
2: that, yeah, that, that's another good one Uh, that alludes to people that um, like to say that, well, basketball is not a contact sport. That's like, yeah, I guess you've never officiated before, or been <laughs> actually close to the action in a basketball game at any level. There's right. plenty of contact in a right. basketball game, so the scenario you describe happens all the time. Again, mm-hmm. what we're looking for is displacement: is the contact from either player displacing either one of them? If there's displacement involved, um, that's a foul because mm-hmm. you're gaining an advantage by displacing that player, either whether you're on defense and aggressively trying to box that player out or prevent them from getting a low post opportunity, scoring opportunity, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, or you're just literally trying to get him uh, out of the paint uh, in anticipation of him or her receiving the pass. Um, what we look for in those scenarios is, um, What's classic is the, um, you know, is the forearm armbar against mm. the back. Yeah. Um, that, generally speaking, is, is allowable, uh, especially if the other player is counteracting by, you know, by basically pushing back, typically with their back. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, when it gets to the point, if the offensive player takes both arms and wraps themselves around that defender to basically prevent them from doing that, that's an offensive – that's a, a team control foul because they don't have the ball as opposed to player control. Player control is an offensive foul whenever it's assessed against the player who actually has possession of the basketball in the, in the front court or the back. Court, yeah. the front court. So that would be a team control foul because that offensive player is gaining an advantage because they're literally holding the, the player and restricting their movement when they do that. So that's a foul. On the defensive side, once the defender um, makes any kind of pushing motion, whether it be with that arm bar, if they're strong enough—and normally they're not—but sometimes there's a, a player that's strong enough they can literally push that offensive player,
0: mm-hmm, out, you know,
2: mm-hmm. out and away from the basket. Well, that's a pushing foul. Um, so that's a foul. Um, if they get two hands on the back, yeah. Um, that, um, we will usually, as long as one of those hands comes down, if it's not constant, if they're keeping constant contact with two mm-hmm. hands, uh, then that can be called as a, as a hand check foul. Especially, and it was a point of emphasis last season, um, especially if that player gets possession of the ball. If the defender ends up with two hands on the back while the player has possession of the ball, that's a hand check. And uh, I bring up points of emphasis, POEs. Every year, the Umbrella Organization for High School Basketball, mm-hmm. the National Federation of High School Associations, NFA DES is the acronym. Um, they come out with a list of POEs. And last year, that was a major POE. We want, we want two hands on the back called, especially mm-hmm. when it's a defender putting two hands on the back of a ball handler in, in that ball handler's front court. They, yeah. they want to try to eliminate that from play. So you get two hands on the back. If one of those hands drops off, like within a second or two, we'll typically let that go. Um, however, like sometimes I've had this uh, scenario where that defender will actually get one or two handfuls of a jersey. And <laughs> the player literally from moving. Well, that goes beyond a common foul. Uh, foul at that point, that's an intentional foul, and intentional uh, foul. That's a higher level, and what that results in is the offended team and the offended player gets two free throws and an inbound uh, a throw in from the front court sideline throw in after the two free throws. So that's a no no, and I've I've grabbed that. <laughs> pardon the pun. Uh, At least two or three times over the last couple seasons.
1: Yeah, you got to teach the kids how to do that without uh, the refs seeing it's not uh, a foul unless the refs see it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, some players will try and get away with that, and and what that boils down to is making an attempt on the ball. If if the foul uh isn't if the foul isn't making an attempt uh attempt to make a play on the ball, um that's one of the litmus tests for uh, upgrading like to call it upgrading a foul to an intentional foul rather than a common foul.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you
0: like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: And, and, uh, I'm going to drop back here a little bit. And you talked about the arm bar. Now, for years, if I'm the offensive player in the low post, I'm sorry, the defensive player in the low post, my player, my, the offensive player has the ball. Yes or no, can I use an arm bar on defense to keep him out?
2: You okay. can as long as you're not displacing them. As long as you're not gaining a physical advantage with that arm bar.
1: Okay. And, so I can't and I can't extend it, of course, but I can hold it?
2: Uh, nah, I mean, you can extend it as long as you're not displacing the player, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, which in is, other words, if,
2: if it's if you're just if you're just doing a back and forth based on the motion of that offensive player, in other words, if you extend that arm bar and the offensive player uh, basically forces your arm back towards your chest as the defender, Mm -hmm. you got nothing. That's basically nothing. Neither player is getting an advantage there. The defender is just basically, the defender is just basically, um, you know, uh, is moving, moving with the, with the offensive player and vice versa um if the if the offense player uh makes makes enough of a pushback to display the defender then you have a player control foul so that could actually be adjudicated as a charge as long as that defender is maintaining legal guarding position if if on the other case the defender is actually displacing the ball handler with that arm bar actually pushes him forward when he didn't really want to go forward, then hmm. you have then you have a push foul,
1: pushing yeah. foul, a
2: blocking foul against the one, the defender.
1: Something very similar that always gets me, and I'm hope hopefully you and I, I know I hear it on the other side too with coaches. Uh, is okay, two players going to the basket. One has offense, defense, offense is dribbling towards the basket. Okay. Uh Defensive player's job is to stand between them and the basket so they don't score easily, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the defensive player is down, you know, just your traditional uh, slides, you know, in front of them, hands to the heaven, chest out and using their body or hips, right, to keep that player from scoring. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, from what I heard so far, what you're going to say, as long as I don't displace that person then that's not a foul so can you clarify that motion where again defense is hands to the heavens they're showing their hands Mm -hmm. right and they're keeping the defender from just a straight line drive to the basket just keep it real simple to start
2: okay yeah that's a classic scenario right In, in that scenario what we're looking for from the defender is did he or she establish legal guarding position and legal guarding position <laughs> means you can get in front of that offensive player but you have to have both feet set there can't be any movement in other words if you didn't arrive, if you didn't stop your movement before that offensive player made contact with you that's a block that's a block 100% of the time so you in other words you have to have both feet established in that space as the offensive player is approaching Now, if you have legal guarding position established and the offensive player makes contact with you, that is a charge. That's a player control foul. That's a charge because you established legal guarding position and the offensive player is not allowed to apply to to display to you. Any kind of movement once that defender establishes legal guarding position, because this happens too, more so at the upper levels than at the high school level, but it does happen at the high school level. Defender establishes legal guarding position. Offensive player is skilled enough to do a Euro step. and It's like, hmm. whoops. It's like, I thought he was going to over my left shoulder. He's driving on the left side, right? I thought he was going to go over my left shoulder as the defender, but he took a Euro step, and now he's switched positions with his second step. And he's moving to the left, he's gonna get around me. So I'm gonna like basically lean into him with uh, my hip. Right. Yeah. That's a blocking foul. Mm-hmm. You can't you there can't be any movement. You have to be stationary. That includes your hips, that includes your upper body, and typically your your shoulder or your elbow. Any any movement by the defender to try to restrict the movement of the offensive player, um, who's trying to drive to the basket, that's a block every
1: time let's Why, dive into yeah. that a little bit more then um if 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 I'm playing you one on one okay and we're at the top of we're at the uh, wing position okay like just just be, just be just beyond the arc
2: just beyond the three just point beyond one. the arc right okay
1: and you know one I'm keeping you and then all of a sudden you do a move and you get by me and you get by me not completely but i'm i'm now i'm now I'm chest. Your shoulder is in the middle of my chest. Again, I'm in this position. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. I, you know, as the defender, I'm sliding with you as you're going towards the basket. And that's where I kind of was going with that question, too. Are you saying that once the chest to sh- your shoulder to my chest, and I'm keeping you from scoring, and we're going to the basket now? Yes.
2: So that is what you're describing is legal. That's the defender moving obliquely. Is the term mm-hmm. with yeah. the offensive player as long as you do not as long as you are not prohibiting their forward movement to the basket, you're still in legal guarding position and we see that too and yeah. a lot of times there'll be contact as the offensive player <coughs> excuse me is is you know proceeding to make a layup uh, or maybe or maybe a pull-up dumper uh, if they're not confident that they're going to get all the way to the basket without contact. Yeah. If that defender has hands up in the air and that's classic and all their movement is moving backwards like towards the end line and there's maybe a minimal amount of contact at all, um, we got nothing there. We don't have we don't have a defensive blocking foul, um, a hit, you know, as long as he hasn't like, you know, hit his shooting hand. Um, gained any kind of advantage whatsoever. If the defender is moving backward in that scenario and there's some contact, um, we have nothing there. We don't have an offensive foul. We don't have a, a defensive foul. And so I can't just, push back as whatever. the
1: defender. Pardon me? I can't push back as the defender no, to keep them. So, no, so again, just to set it up on the court, too, you're starting at the wing. You're yeah. – Your line is to the block, so you're going from wing to block, right? Mm -hmm. And I come and I push you now off that line to let's say just outside of the block, a few inches, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So,
2: well, you just described the foul. That's pushing foul. Okay. Yeah. The fact that the fact that you use the term push, that's a that's a foul. That's that's a foul every time. Even if I'm
1: even if I'm showing my hands and. Right. And I'm moving oh, well, i along and, Well
2: see again, we get that a lot too. Yeah, so no, not yeah. always not always as both players are moving, so the defender is following the, the ball handler obliquely. That classic is the defender has, has established legal guarding position and then they raise both hands in the air to make the to make the layup typically or the pull up jumper more difficult. But instead of going straight up, they inevitably
1: yeah, they end go up forward. going forward as they leap. That right. is a foul. That's a foul no. I'm just. T- I'm not time. even there yet, making a basket. I'm. I'm just mm-hmm. talking like from that straight line. We're going. Oh, okay. We're going side by side, and I'm showing you my hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're here, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm just shuffling, right?
2: Yeah, that's fine as long as you don't make any contact. Uh, that's with, what I thought you were saying
1: <laughs> with the ball handler. Yep. Interesting. So okay. in that case, the the offense. I mean, they have a lot of advantage, but they can make contact with me. A uh,
2: they can make contact with you as long as they don't displace the defender assuming the defender had legal guarding position Which you is... can have a charge you can have a charge with both players moving, and in this case the defender moving if the movement by the offensive player displaces the defender and creates an advantage for the offensive player that typically that's an, in that scenario, typically it's the ball handler throws the arm bar. At the um, at the oh, defender. Right. Yeah. Now a lot of times there's like little or no contact by that arm bar because the defender's already moving. Right. He's keeping pace with the offensive player, so a lot of times the offensive player with that arm bar will either not make contact because you know they're just trying to create that space for themselves, and the defender's right. giving away because he or she doesn't want to get charged with a block, um, or there's minimal contact, and it really amounted to nothing. It didn't displace the defender. What's more common is the, the mistake a lot of offensive players in that scenario that so the dribbler driving the basket makes is when they lower their shoulder, when they put the arm bar, then embellish it with lowering their shoulder, and they make contact with the defender, and the and that contact ends up displacing the defender, even if even if it's just say like six inches. That's player control. We're going the other way. Yeah, that's, yeah. As you gain an advantage, you literally mm-hmm. displace the defender, even if you just displace them half a foot away. Yeah. Because without you doing that, without you making that contact, that defender is still closer to you without touching you. So you, Mr. and Mrs. Ball Handler, you created an, an advantage for yourself and disadvantaged the defender. So that's player control. And again, if that, and we see that so many times in a game and it's like the coach will say, you know, but, you know, but the defender, stuff that made contact, it's like, coach, it's like your offensive player initiated the contact, not only with their forearm, but they lowered their shoulder. Yeah. And if, if they hadn't lowered their shoulder, probably borderline, but the fact that the offensive player embellished the contact by lowering their shoulder, creating additional contact, made contact, saw the defender get pushed back like maybe half a foot or a foot that's player
1: control foul okay thank you for explaining that i kind of had a thought of that's exactly what it was because what's really important in that particular scenario is how we teach the kids how to guard that situation right and mm-hmm. you know i always talk about hands so they have in follow the defender or follow the offensive player to the hoop um you know, I don't say don't make contact with them. It's almost natural, right? Because they think if that space is in between them, you can't, you know. The, the, you, key, com- the, key, com-
2: the key component in any contact situation between an mm-hmm. offense and defensive player is advantage, disadvantage. And veteran officials, that's uh, that's a, a, a refrain that's just ironclad. It's reinforced constantly mm-hmm. advantage disadvantage did either player gain an advantage um by uh, initiating the contact um on the flip side did they did the, uh, did the player that received the contact be put at a disadvantage because of the contact okay. yeah. so advantage disadvantage at a game at college park about a month ago um all the College Park offensive player driving to the basket, what we were just talking about a second ago, did the arm bar, uh, did the arm bar and lowered their shoulder, you know, player control. We're going the other way. That's a foul. Coach from College Park didn't like the call, was shouting, it's like, we teach that to our players all the time. And he, you know, and then he emulated the arm bar movement. And I looked them, you know, as we were in transition, and it's like, coach, it was more than that. He lowered his shoulder. He lowered his shoulder, yeah. created an advantage for himself by that additional contact. That's foul. That's player control foul. So you can't do that. So, oh. I mean, I understand the principle of, of teaching the arm bar to offensive players uh, heading to the basket to create that space to get the players right. to back off. But you have to keep in mind, you cannot displace the player by any form of contact if if that if that if that causes the defensive player to back up and it's minimal contact, you're really not displacing them. Then we let that go. We got nothing. Yeah, no advantage or disadvantage created by that by the offensive player. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. so and and I can see why that's taught because sometimes um, that will
1: get a defender to back off because they don't want to be called for a
2: blocking call. Especially well, if
1: also at the younger levels, we teach that to protect. The basketball, sure. right? Arm bar yeah. out, you know. Hold, you know, right? Yeah. And so the kids yep. take that all the way through, not just when they're dribbling or stationary dribbling, but when they're going to the basket too, right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And as long uh, as the,
2: as long as the defender's not displaced, and a lot of times that will work with the defender, it will get them to back off, and then and then you you gain an advantage, but you didn't create any contact with the defender. You got that defender to back away from just simply by extending the arm bar, just extending your forearm towards the defensive player. I mean, that's not a foul. It's not a violation yeah. unless it, unless you make contact and the contact you made by doing that created an advantage, physical advantage.
1: That makes sense. All right. Thank you. Thank you for all those details. That was great. Uh, uh, switching gears a little bit, loose ball fouls. So,
2: uh, well, stop, we'll stop right there. There's yeah. no such thing as a loose ball foul at the high school level. It's not. It's not even in the rule book. In the rule
1: book, okay. So dive yeah. into that. I one.
2: understand where I understand what you're describing. There are loose balls at <laughs> yeah. the high school level. Loose right. ball, by definition, means that neither team has control of the basketball.
1: Ball Correct. Like,
2: that's the term, loose ball. But there right. is no loose ball. There is no term loose ball foul at the high school. Yeah, yeah,
1: but when you get called for a foul after on a loose ball situation, mm-hmm. right? For example, I have the ball, I roll, right? To protect uh, or to rip. A lot of times that gets called, right? That's a travel. As, yeah, as soon right. as you
2: roll, as soon as you roll, uh, basically, uh, yeah, that's a traveling violation. As soon as you roll, you can, you can dispose of the basketball like try to pass it off right. while you're roll, rolling right. but if you roll first and, and continue to hold the ball guess what that's you lifted your pivot foot. both feet are off the floor mm-hmm. that's the same difference as if you jumped in the air and changed mm-hmm. your mind about passing or taking a jump shot and land on both mm-hmm. feet that's that's a, a, that's a classic yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. classic trail and that's that's why because a lot of people misunderstand that if you dive for a loose ball we see that yes. all the time and and the motion of diving makes you slide like 20 with feet the across, ball, the, right. across the yeah. court with a that's not technically a traveling violation because it's your momentum going after the ball that caused you to slide yeah and then we're looking for once you stop what are you doing then if you start rolling over or try to get up without dribbling then you have a travel so um There was a state championship game where that scenario occurred and the officials called the player who dove after the ball for a traveling violation because it was really borderline. It's like, at what point did that player start rolling? Was it after the slide? And was it before the slide ended or was it after the slide? ended? Mm. They adjudicated it, it was after the slide ended when they looked at video, because it was a state championship game in Sacramento, it was like, eh, it looks like they started that role before they actually, you know, uh, had full possession of the ball. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, trying to make that call, you know, in real time uh, can be difficult. And then the other related scenario to that is, and this happens very frequently, um, no team control, the ball is loose on the floor, two players are going after it, And there's a, and there's contact. There's a collision between the two players. They're typically both on the, on the floor. It's like, it's like two football players going for a fumble, right? Right. Yeah. Well, this, well, this isn't football. This is basketball. Yeah. Typically that results in a foul and the foul is called against the player who displaced the other player, to either get possession of the ball or attempt to get possession of the ball. You cannot, that's a pushing foul. You can't displace another player to gain an advantage, in this case to get possession of the basketball. So, you know, players will look up and it's like, and I hear this all the time after that, the whistle blows and we whack someone with that. It's like, they were just going after the ball. And it's yeah. like, I, yeah, I know they were going after the ball, but your player displaced the other mm. player mm-hmm. in their attempt to get the basketball. There's usually about a split second difference between when one player arrives and the other. And even yeah. if they even if they literally arrive simultaneously where the ball is, uh almost inevitably one player is pushing the other player out of the way, either by their and well, Yeah, or-
1: they're trying to grab it. They're doing something, right? And that's where a lot of times if you and I grab this ball and we're on the ground, to rip it away from you, mm-hmm. I do this, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that starts the roll.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, well, that's an in that scenario, you typically don't have a foul because both are going after the ball. Correct. You're not, if you're not displacing the other player by grabbing that ball, if you're not on top of them, rolling on top of them, or if you're not pushing their torso, you know, their body in any way, you're just, you're just hustling over the ball. Correct. Sometimes that'll be a held ball situation. If both have, you know, if there's four hands on the ball, no one right. has clear control. If the right. other one's a little bit stronger than the other one and just takes rips care of it. business and yeah. rips it out, yeah. then we're looking for what you were starting to allude to Then yeah. we're looking for a traveling violation.
1: Right, okay. Hey,
2: okay, He ripped the ball loose. Now what are you doing? If now once he has possession, if he decides to roll over, you know, over his shoulder or something, well, sorry, you just traveled. If he mm-hmm. rips it loose, stops, looks for a teammate, and passes it without making any motion, any rolling motion, then that's a legal play.
1: The other one that in that situation, too, that comes up, and you did allude to it, which was the I get I get to the ball first, but I don't have control. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I and you're standing, let's say you're standing behind me at this point. Okay. So I'm on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm going after the ball. I don't have it completely. You come from behind me. Mm -hmm. If you land on me, that's a foul. That's a foul. Yes. Yes. If you obviously leap over me, don't touch me, not a foul, unless there's some other thing you're doing. But (laughs) I've never seen a
2: player able to do that, at least at the high school level. Yeah,
1: they usually jump from behind or jump on them in that particular situation or... Because um, I hear that a lot with um, at uh, you know at all levels, uh, and I you know I see that as a foul because you're jumping from behind me. My player had the ball there on the ground already, right? You can't do that, right? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh... Sports Social Podcast Network.